Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Hey, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare chested, banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. All right. I'm not supposed to be sitting inside today. Nobody's supposed to be sitting inside today. It's beautiful outside. Hope you're out taking advantage of it out there somewhere, walking, running, crawling. Maybe you're playing baseball softball, watching a game, tennis, whatever it happens to be. I always drive by Marianna High School, and I see Joe Turnock and his crew out there. Look like they were getting ready for a uh, – look like they were in uniform for a game. Who knows? Maybe it was just, you know, formalized practice. I don't know. But Vince D'Addario, it's, it's supposed to be nasty tomorrow. So I hope somebody has some games scheduled for today. You're actually able to get some in because it's supposed to just blow through a bunch of rain here tomorrow but it's beautiful out there and it's spring and spring football practice always a time when you see things you don't expect to see you know like maybe it's a player moving to a new position like a few years ago when Avery Davis moved from quarterback to running back or the spring after that when he moved to defensive back or the spring after that when he moved to wide receiver but uh, position changes you know maybe unexpected in the micro in the macro they happen all the time former Players like Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson coming back for practice cameos. That happens. Not totally unexpected, but it's always kind of a oh, nice surprise when you see those faces out there. And when a former college football coach with no real ties to a school pops in on a given day, well, that is a real surprise as well. And that is what happened today. There were a lot of double takes when Ed Orgeron, yes, that Ed Orgeron, you know, go Tigers and all that kind of stuff. The uh, former LSU football coach Ed Orgeron spotted on the sidelines at Notre Dame's practice this morning inside the Irish Athletic Center. And then he even took a few minutes to uh, talk with the media about why he's here. And it's, you know, kind of a strange trip down a bifurcated side road that brought Orgeron here when you think about it just the fact that he was standing on the sideline because he's only a little more than two seasons removed from winning a national championship at LSU and then a little bit more than a year ago he interviews Marcus Freeman who was at that time still the Cincinnati Bearcats defensive coordinator Orgeron interviews Freeman to become his defensive coordinator in Baton Rouge but Freeman chooses Notre Dame, and now, of course, about four months on the job as head coach at Notre Dame because, well, they fired Ed Orgeron, did LSU, and Brian Kelly has followed Orgeron as LSU's 
head coach. Think about like retracing all that. What if, big what if, what if Marcus Freeman becomes the defensive coordinator at LSU? Are they still there and Kelly's here or does Orgeron still let go, get let go? Is, is Marcus Freeman the head coach at LSU? Who knows a lot of that, but, uh, as you will hear Ed Orgeron explain, it's his connection to Freeman, you know, that started with that interview when he interviewed him there at LSU that ultimately ended up bringing him to Notre Dame today. So here's a little bit of Q&A that Ed Orgeron had with the media earlier this morning. Have a listen. Really, really respected. And uh, wanted to come up here. I got three sons coaching. And I wanted to show them what Notre Dame was, be around. You know, it's my first time I get to come in and, and enjoy being around campus, <laughs> you know, and I, I'll tell you what, you know, going to that stadium, having the battles and having great memories. And, and yesterday when we, we drove up to the stadium, we were going to go see their locker room to the right. I'm used to going to the left. <laughs> but uh, I enjoy being here. I want to see Marcus and the staff, bring my sons up here. We're here all week. We just got to have a good time. It's fun to be up here. What were your impressions of the practice? Outstanding practice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I walked uh, down the hall <laughs> and I heard the offensive line coach getting after it early in the morning. <laughs> and I like that and to be able to see the physicality that they have here. I think that Marcus is going to bring a tremendous program here. And uh, they already have great players. And he's, he's, gonna, he's a tremendous recruiter. I think the sky's the limit for him. Well, Coach, you ever get the? Do you get the edge to, or the itch yeah. to go out there and practice? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. When I was up in the drill, I kept myself getting back. But you know what? I'm enjoying the year off for sure. I need, I needed to do it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. what, 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 how quickly do you think you want to get back to the coaching? Right? You no, know, I don't know. It, it all depends. I'm just uh, I'm not going to coach this year for sure. I'm keeping my options open, and uh, right now I'm enjoying what I'm doing. What, what did you see in Marcus when you brought him down? What, what did those interactions lead with you? Yeah, first of all, I watched his defensive play at Cincinnati. Phenomenal. Energy, the way they got after it, the way he had the energy on the sideline. That's just the way I like to coach him. When I met him, they just had something about him. Character, class, you, know, you can tell that he's going to be a championship coach. I think he has all the makings of being a great coach. What are your expectations for Notre Dame this season? Well, you know, I don't know him that well. Yeah, obviously, but I know the expectations are one one goal and one goal only, I would imagine. I can't speak for them. And that's what I talked to the team about. Uh, standard performance got to be very high. What I saw out there, I saw a very good football team. There was a time where you were a first-time head coach in a Power 5 level. Yeah. What what advice would you give to Marcus as, yeah. he, as he does that here? <laughs> yeah. it's, a big, yeah. it's a big job. It's yeah. a big spotlight. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to do everything. I tried to do everything at Ole Miss. You can't do it. Yeah. Hire your good hire staff. Believe in them, let them do it. Uh, let the players know that you really care about them. Uh, offense, defense, and special team, get close to all of them. And I see them doing that, so, uh, yeah. Time for one more, one more. What was the call like from Marcus last year, a year ago, when he had to tell you he was coming here instead of to you? I think it was tough. I think it was tough. I think he liked LSU. Yeah, you know what I mean? I think it was a family decision uh, to stay up here. You know, obviously you got six kids, a beautiful wife, and it's hard to move them to the south down there. and. Uh, I, I, obviously, for being up here, I think that was one decision. Plus, Notre Dame's a great school, so it, it looks like you made the right decision to make. Could you ever have imagined the course of history for everybody involved? No, in that? not at all. But you know, it's football. Yeah. That's right, and uh, that is Ed Orgeron out at Notre Dame's practice this morning. And some interesting advice for Marcus Freeman: Don't try to do everything as a first-time head coach. Maybe he doesn't on 
the practice field on the football field right now, but he's doing a lot of other things <laughs> off the field. So uh, some uh, some good advice there from Ed Orgeron. But uh, yeah, some 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 good stuff. As for Freeman himself, he's about a week and a half from his first Blue Gold Spring football game at Notre Dame Stadium, and I'm curious to see what the turnout is for that game because typically you see you know pretty good attendance for a first year head coach at his first spring game because everyone's anxious to see what kind of changes he's made and all that kind of stuff. You know, the thing with with this, you know, the, the, it's the coaching changes that he's made, it's different than most coaching changes because most coaching changes happen, not, not that he's made, but the coaching change itself, you know, itself. Obviously, it's a, uh, it was a cleaner transition of power, I guess you would say. Most coaching changes happen because things have gone wrong in a program. The coach has been fired. They've cleaned house, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, like down at LSU, one regime is completely gone, and in comes Brian Kelly and and uh, all the people that he hires down there. Different case here. You know, this is more like when Ryan Day took over for Urban Meyer at Ohio State or when Lincoln Riley took the baton from Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. You know, successful transitions of power with coaches leaving the program in good shape handed it off to an up-and-coming assistant already on the staff you know like Lincoln Riley going to USC taking over for another failed regime that's much different than when he was promoted to take over for Stoops at Oklahoma not exactly the same here at Notre Dame but you know because Kelly didn't retire or anything like that you know he kind of bolted like a bootlegger in the middle of the night for, for LSU but he only got a couple of assistants to go with him. Marcus Freeman becomes the head coach, as we know, kept a handful of assistants on the staff, wanted to keep some other guys, but they were able to make career moves and uh, get some promotions. Obviously, a couple of guys went on to become offensive coordinators at other programs, Louisville and Boston College. Uh, but Freeman ultimately made seven new hires on his first staff in this spring, of course, the first chance that they've had to work together. So has Freeman seen evidence of staff cohesion so far? I think the, the first thing that sticks out is when I go into the O and D st uh, unit meetings. I'm, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with the way Coach Reese and, and um, Coach Golden really just, they challenged their, their sides of the ball. Um, you know, they're speaking the same language. They're speaking similar language that I speak, and that's what you want to see. You want to see everybody in your program all emphasizing the same things and, and then tailoring it towards their specific schemes. But, um, man, I've been really, really happy in those those unit meetings. Um, and then we meet as a staff every day. That's something we haven't done in the past, and, and it's very intentional, right, is to make sure that we are becoming a unit. Our coaching staff is a, has to be a unit that trust each other and that, that lean on each other and, and realize we all have each other's back. So that's something that's been very intentional on my end is we're going to meet as a unit. We're gonna, I mean, meet as a staff. We're going to talk through things, you know, and it could be a five-minute staff meeting. It could be an hour staff meeting. But it won't be because of lack of communication, a lack of trust amongst the coaches. Yeah, interesting. You know, and again, that talking about that cohesion. And so what are some of the benefits of those daily staff meetings? Oh, uh, I mean, it, it starts with everybody being on the same page, right? And, and a lot of those staff meetings we go over, right now you go over the practice schedule, right? You go over recruiting. You go over um, any points of emphasis you need to hit, you know? And so we know everybody in their schedule has a, a block to make sure we get together. There might be days I text them and say, hey, we don't need to have a staff meeting. But I want us to all be in a routine of, hey, every day at this time, let's plan to get together. Um, 
I don't know how long it will be, but I think when you have a group of a lot of new people or people that maybe have been here, the ability to get together, spend time with each other, and talk about things is so important. How can you trust people if you don't spend time with them? And, and that's the type of leader I am. I'm a teammate. And so if I want these guys to trust me, I need them to be around me. And we'll have, listen, we have honest conversations. We, you know, sometimes it's just strictly boom, boom, here's the practice schedule, here's the daily schedule, we're on the same page. And sometimes we sit and we say, okay, here's the expectations. Here's things that we have to make sure we're on the same page and we all have to be speaking the same language. And so um, it can depend on what is needed for that day. A lot different, a lot different, a lot different kind of personality, not the cult of me. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the most high-profile additions to the new staff is defensive coordinator Al Golden, who, of course, came to Notre Dame after he spent the last four years in the NFL, Detroit Lions, Cincinnati Bengals. Third defensive coordinator the Fighting Irish have had in as many seasons following Freeman, who, of course, followed Clark Lee. So here's how Freeman assesses the impact that Al Golden has had so far. You know, I'll start with me. I mean, he's been great. That's one of the main reasons we hired him because he, not the main reason, but a big reason why we hired him was because he's been in my shoes and he's been a guy that sees things from a head coach point of view. There's been many times he's come into my office and said, hey, there's something to be aware of, something, hey, that I did when I was head coach. And that's, it's something that it's been very beneficial for me being a first-time head coach. Um, on the team, he's been great. You know, I sit in a lot of his defensive unit meetings and, just to learn, just to hear him, just to hear him teach. And, and um, he's a great motivator. He's in super intelligent. Our, our players, I'll tell you, you know, they've learned a lot of ball. And, you know, it's funny. We were having practice the other day, and, and Coach Reese was like, hey, are our linebackers, like, really intelligent? It's like this everywhere. And I'm like, no, they just are learning things that I didn't teach them last year. You know, they're learning situations. They're learning alignments and, and stuff. I mean, Coach Golden is extremely intelligent, has coached a lot of ball, and uh, he's doing a great job. And, uh, you know, again, you heard Marcus Freeman talk about the fact that he brought Al Golden on because of the head coaching experience and 10, 10 years as a head coach that he has had, hasn't been a coordinator since he was Virginia's D.C. back from 2001 to 2005, but then he became a head coach for the first time when he goes to Temple. And, you know, Golden is 52 years old. He has 10 years of head coaching experience now between Temple and Miami. Marcus Freeman is 36. He has one Fiesta Bowl and a few months of head coaching experience during the offseason and uh, during spring practice as well. So they've only worked together for a short amount of time, but what kind of head coaching advice has Freeman received from Golden? Um, there's times I go to him and say, hey, have you been in this situation? What did you do? And, and then there's times he comes to me and says, hey, just a heads up, here's something that I did when I was a head coach. And, and um, it works both ways. You know, I'm utilizing him as much as, uh, you know, he's giving me suggestions. And so it's been very beneficial. Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm sure that he, you know, that, that that's not things that, you know, just sort of get get lorded over. But, uh, you know, as as things go, I think the practice part has got to be probably the easier part. It's once they get outside of this sort of day to day constructed, they've got things set up the way they want it when when other things start popping up that maybe that's when you know the, that that experience that Golden had as, as the head coach maybe comes into play even more but you know his career started in college and you know he was a college coach from 1994 through 2015 but the you know just the last five years or the last four years rather 
coming at the pro level. But what does uh, Marcus Freeman see in Al Golden as a teacher? Um, you know, Al's a guy that has a lot of energy. Um, you know, he's a guy that um, is very, very intelligent. He's really organized. Um, so when you sit in his meetings, right, you, you feel, okay, what's the message of this meeting? What's the point he's trying to get um, accomplished? Then you watch the film that he's he shows. It can be examples from Notre Dame. It can be examples from the NFL. But it's the ability to – you can't just get in front of a room and just start talking, right? You can't present. We said we don't present. Don't just get up there and start talking. Like there's got to be an atmosphere of – okay, they're engaged. Because you get up there and just start talking and say, hey, I just want to get these words out, well, three-quarters of people aren't paying attention, okay? And so it's about, bam, setting the tempo, setting the mode, like, hey, here's – it's it's meeting time, right? And however you want to do that as a coach, okay, here's the things I want to get across by words or it could be we want to teach how do we want to defend a screen. That was one of his meetings the other day. Okay, let's set the tempo. Let's set the mode of this of this meeting. Let's – then set the agenda. We're going to talk about how to defend screens, show them examples from practice, and then show them good and bad examples, and show them good and bad examples or really good examples from the NFL. And so it's, it's, a, it's all a method. And, and it's been really good to see from my chair just taking notes and going, hey, man, those are great points. And, and to see how it's implemented, man, has been really good. Yep, and a lot of things different, a lot of different uh, teaching, a lot of different uh, you know philosophies from daily coaching meetings to just the way they communicate and everything else with this new staff that Marcus Freeman has put together in uh, his first offseason at Notre Dame. And again, we've got the Blue Gold football game. It is coming up one week from Saturday, if you can believe that. That means that we are about two weeks away from the NFL draft, and we're about a week and a half away from the Blue Gold football game. And Darren Pritchett and I will have that for you a week from Saturday, the Blue Gold game right here on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. We're going to take a timeout, get a recruiting update from irishbreakdown.com. That is on the way. We've got uh, plenty more. We've got a little bit. I'll touch on uh, Maya Dotson getting drafted by the WNBA and, and uh, kind of what that means for her and for Notre Dame's program as well. A lot of players drafted, actually, last night from the ACC, one of them going fourth overall last night from the Atlantic Coast Conference and uh, some big names in the ACC uh, getting drafted. So uh, some teams are going to look pretty different next year. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Tim Grau State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. By Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. We'll talk some Notre Dame football recruiting coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Well, enjoy the weather while you've got it today. <laughs> Abby Wepler not bringing... Very good news, and looking at the forecast for tomorrow, it's not, as she said, supposed to be too great. So enjoy it today. Brian Driscoll is with me. Now, we were just talking off the air, and we were talking yesterday. We were going to bring on your new recruiting guy, Ryan Roberts, have a little NFL draft talk, a little recruiting. He had something pop up, family-related, but uh, Brian has agreed to uh, step in 
for Ryan. Of having a one-year-old, I'm told. That's right. That's, you know, I've been there and Vince has been there like a zillion times. So (laughs) with a one-year-old. That's right. That's right. Well, um, there are definitely some things going on in the recruiting world. One thing that happened today, uh, Chris Vizina, the four-star, committed to Clemson. Four-star quarterback, I should say. So I'm curious... Your thoughts on that and the impact maybe that it possibly has on Dante Moore and you know Notre Dame and how kind of those things are all intertwined. Won't really have an impact on Notre Dame because, to be honest with you, or Dante Moore because he's not looking at Clemson, number one. And, and Notre Dame basically – Chris Vizina was supposed to visit Notre Dame early in March. Notre Dame moved that visit back uh, because they really – you know, it's basically they're they're putting all their chips in the Dante Moore basket, essentially, and and that's kind of why they were hoping that they could get Chris Vizina to kind of prolong his recruitment. That way, if they do miss Dante Moore, they could they could still have Chris Vizina on the board. But he obviously wanted to make his decision. And Clemson is always a school to beat. I know there was some talk that Notre Dame might be the team to beat. I never bought that. That was never what my intel was telling me. Uh, but Notre Dame was trying to get to that point. But you know, his dad, I believe, went to college with Dabo Sweeney. Uh, at Alabama, so you know that kind of factors into that relationship as Deep well. Connection, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's always been Dante or bust. That's always been kind of where this has been with Tommy Reese and, and Marcus Freeman. That's 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 just how this one's going to play out. See, and now that's how it felt from this. I thought I read something, you know, from like a Clemson reporter that that had Dante more kind of in the mix there so i don't know at it's, clemson yeah that you surprised me because that's Sean, the first time i had seen that but. there's a lot of people to say a lot of things to get clicks in right. this business unfortunately and i'll see things written like yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty cued into this recruitment and that's not true okay you know so it's it's always kind of funny but yeah dante moore is clemson has never been a school that dante moore gave a, a serious look to uh, and and look, they got a good quarterback. I mean, Chris Vizina is a good quarterback, and this is the second year in a row they they got a stud last year. And Cade Klubnik was my number one quarterback in the country last year. He was my top kid in uh, last year's class, which wasn't a great quarterback class, but he's a really good football player. So they they got a good one. But uh, Notre Dame like just like that, they like Dante more better and significantly better. Because if it was close, they would have you know, hey, look, if it's close, you you take the kid that wants to be there, right? Uh, it wasn't close in Notre Dame's eyes. Dante Moore is clearly the top quarterback on their board. They have treated him as such for about a year now. I mean, it was they offered him last March, and it's it's been like this for quite some time with him. Another uh, quarterback, 2024 five-star Julian Sayan visited Notre Dame last weekend. Any kind of idea how how uh, that visit went? Went great. You know, he, he he this was a chance for him to really see the team. You know, he was here for a practice, so he was able to see Notre Dame go through sort of what their offense is going to look like. And you know, he's. A, He's he's an interesting player. He he's kind of an Ian Book type of guy. Uh, I think a, a better player than Ian Book was at the time. But what I mean by that is he's not like a runner, but he's a really good scrambler. Um, you know, he's a he's a young man that that's not the biggest guy. He's like six foot one, 180 pounds. You know, good arm, but not a great arm. He's just a gamer. He's just a get. You know, makes a lot of plays, and he's a, he's just a good football player. And you know, Coach Reese has been on him for a while. There's three quarterbacks in 2024 that Notre Dame really likes. And they're going to get two of them on campus this month. Obviously, Julian Sand 
uh, was on campus, and here's a name that might sound familiar to you, Sean. C.J. Carr from Michigan oh. is going to be on campus this month, too. Lloyd's grandson, grandson, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. He is a really good player that Notre Dame staff likes a lot. And then the other is Jaden Davis from North Carolina. Uh, there are no plans right now to have him on campus, but he talks Notre Dame. He likes Notre Dame. So, uh, Dante, they're all they're on the Dante Moore train for 2023, but he's not the only quarterback that this staff is making a run at. You know, we've, we've talked about Brian Kelly and sort of the, you know, inability – you know, to get these elite type different difference makers, does it feel like, you know, Notre Dame is is really more in the mix with with those kind of guys now, just within the last couple of recruiting cycles? To a degree, yeah, I would say so. I think there's more consistency right now. I mean, you, you took you talk about you got Tyler Buckner a couple years ago, and and then of course you're you're trying to get Dante more now and Julian say next year. I think there's a couple things to it. I don't want to put all of this on Brian Kelly. I think the fact that Notre Dame has had the success they've had on the football field the last 5 years is going to make him more attractive. Right. So that's starting to pay off. Uh, and I think the other thing too is obviously with, with the way the offense played down the stretch last year. I mean, you talk about shredding Georgia Tech through the air, two, over 300 yards passing that game, over 300, almost 350 yards against Stanford, and then of course over 500 yards against Oklahoma State. You finally saw what this offense can look like, you know, when it's got Tommy Reese's stamp on it, and, and that's helped too. So there's just a lot of factors. The Marcus Freeman effect is is going here, uh, Chad Bowden effect. So there's just a lot of dominoes that have kind of kind of fall in these last couple of years that have put Notre Dame in a position where, you know, they can make these runs at top players. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to start producing these kids on Saturdays if they're going to want this to continue. couple top offensive line recruits. Charles, I believe it's Jagusa and Sam Pendleton made some visits last weekend. What do you know about them? Well, Charles is an interesting player. You know, Notre Dame's in a great position there. The only concern is he's just not in any hurry to make a decision. But everybody believes, we believe, talking to him, Sean Davis, one of my recruiting analysts, has talked to him several times, goes to a Catholic school, high academic kid. Uh, everything about him is Notre Dame, loves Notre Dame, loves Coach Heastan. He's just not really in a hurry to commit. He wants to get his mom on campus. She works at the church. So obviously April with Easter and Good Friday, it's a little busy. So, yeah. so he can't get on campus and probably until June. But Notre Dame's put themselves in great position there. And Sam Pendleton's an interesting one, Sean, because he hasn't even had an offer for a full month. You know, they got on him in, in around, I think around like March 16th or 17th is when they offered him. Because what happened was when Coach Heastan first arrived, it was here's the kids we know we want. Let's get on the road and see them. And, and, and that's what January was about, right? And February was about. Then after that, it's like, okay, now let's scour the country for other guys that I like. And that's when Sam Pendleton and Elijah Page came on, on, on board. Sam Pendleton is a guy that as soon as the staff offered him, they started quickly making up for lost time uh, <laughs> and getting on him. And were able to get him on campus in less than a month. And what, what folks need to understand is this is an unofficial visit period. You can't Notre Dame can't pay for kids to come on campus in the month of April. So for Sam Pendleton to come up from – you know, from North Carolina, that's on his own dime, right? And as we all know, traveling isn't exactly cheap right now. Yeah. So it says a lot Very true. that he came up. They did a great job with him, knocked it out of the park. It's Notre Dame, it's Clemson, it's NC State, Penn State, and Michigan are the five that are really factors for him. But, you know, Notre Dame did a great job. I think they put themselves squarely in the mix. Now it's just about keep those good vibes going is going to be the key. And, I, you know, they need some dominoes to start falling here, Sean, whether it's offensive line or overall. So um, it's good to get these kids on campus. And then, you know, two of the top targets on the board are going to be in town. That's Monroe Freeling from South Carolina, Sullivan Absher from North Carolina. 
Uh, they're going to be on campus for the Blue Gold game. So the month of April is incredibly important when it comes to Notre Dame being able to recruit the offensive line. Oh, and Austin Saravel is going to be back on campus for the Blue Gold game as well. He visited in early April. It's Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Alabama as his final three. So okay. that's another one where these next couple weeks in April are going to tell us a lot about whether or not Harry Heastan's going to be able to land a top offensive line class in his first year back. This is Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com talking a little Notre Dame football recruiting. Now there's a 2022 running back out there who's going to commit at the end of this week. You can help me with his name and then tell me what you know about him. Is it Jabran? Is that Jabron? Jabron. Okay. I believe so. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jabron Payne. He's a, it's an interesting one, Sean, because Notre Dame started recruiting him when he was a sophomore. He got offered very early on. He was dynamic as a sophomore. I mean, I graded him as a four-star recruit just off his sophomore film. Uh, ran for about 10 yards a carry in the Cincinnati Catholic League. Well, if anyone, it's not called the Cincinnati Catholic League, but it's all the, the Catholic schools in Cincinnati. And if you're familiar with that area, that's really good football. That's one of the 10 mm -hmm. best football regions in the country. He hurt tore his knee up in the first game of his junior year, missed the rest of the year, and then was banged up as a senior, only carried, only had like 200-some rushing yards. So he kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. Well, Dylan McCullough was all over him and got him to sign with Indiana when he was in Indiana. Well, Coach McCullough leaves, obviously goes to Notre Dame. Less than a month later, Jabron gets out of his letter of intent with Indiana. They released him from his letter of intent. He has visited a couple schools. Kentucky and Notre Dame are the two players here, obviously, for obvious reasons. They both border on on the state of Ohio. They're, obviously, there's a connection with Coach McCullough. There's the connection with the Kentucky staff who's recruited him really well. It's going to come down to those two schools, feel good about where Notre Dame is, but you know, Kentucky's battling, but he's a really talented player. And if it wasn't for the injuries the last two years, he'd be a top 150 recruit. Notre huh. Dame's taking a little bit of a chance on him uh, just because of the injuries. But obviously, Dylan McCullough got to know him really well, recruiting him the last two years in Indiana. But very talented player. It's just you're taking a bit of a risk because of the injuries. But if he's healthy, he is a very, very good running back. And a, and a, and a compliment, if, if people ask, like, comp, Sean, right? Who does he remind you of? Theo Riddick. That's who he reminds me of okay. because he can catch the ball. He can line up in the slot. So really nice complimentary player to what they already have on the roster. And then uh, wide receiver position, a position of uh, priority. Yeah. Texas 23 wide receiver Braylon James is going to commit next week. How confident are you that it ends up being Notre Dame he chooses? Like in this day and age, Sean, you never say anything is guaranteed, right? Yeah. And kids can change minds. But I like where Notre Dame is at now. And the reason is, is he's a dynamic player, right? Top 100 receiver. I think he's ranked 46th or 49th in the country by ESPN. He's in the top 100. I believe Rivals has him in the top 100 as well. Notre Dame loves him. And it's an interesting recruitment, Sean. Uh, part of the reason you feel good about it is Notre Dame really didn't start pushing for him until like you know, January, February, just around the time that Chancey Stuckey got hired because Chancey Stuckey was recruiting him heavily at Baylor. So it's another one of those ones where there's that longer relationship that yeah. may be the one that Notre Dame has. And the, the interesting thing is before he, before Chancey Stuckey came to Notre Dame, the school that many felt was leading for Braylon James was Stanford. Texas wants him. Texas A&M wants him. But this is a kid who's a 4.0 student. Well, actually, he's a 5.0 student because it's one of those districts with the 5.0 okay. you know, uh, grade point average. But dynamic student. And he was asked why he doesn't want to go to Texas. And he's like, look, as a young man, I really feel like getting out and seeing the world is going to help me grow as a young person. 
that's the kind of maturity that you don't see often from yeah. 16, 17-year-olds, but it Big also time. makes you understand why he likes Notre Dame so much because he's a really smart, intelligent, thoughtful kid. But, you know, that's all fine and dandy. There's a lot of really smart, thoughtful, intelligent kids who can't play football in Notre Dame. This kid can <laughs> flat out play. Which is which is very important because, that's right. especially at that position, they need some right. guys well, who can and, flat out You know, play. I, I, he, he was at a camp this summer in electronic testing, which is a little bit more accurate, also get slower times. He's six foot three, 185 pounds, ran a 4.47 with a 39-inch vertical. Mm. It's a dynamic, dynamic athlete. Man. So if he picks Notre Dame, you know – offensive side of the ball is where they're still really trying to you know kind of make up some ground do you think it gives them a little bit of momentum there I think so yeah I think if he picks and if they're able to get one of these linemen maybe Jabron Payne if they can get him even though he's 2022 you know momentum is a real thing in recruiting and you're hoping that that gets that ball rolling you've got some offensive linemen they're going to commit there's a running back in the 2023 class from Washington named Jaden Lamar He's going to visit for the blue gold game. There's some thought that, you know, if Notre Dame can get some good momentum, have a great visit, you know, he may be a guy they may be able to land in that class. So, you know, and then of course, if they can convince Dante Moore to, to commit sometime soon, that's when you would really see that start to see that momentum going. But yeah. Braylon James would be would be if they're able to land him next Tuesday would be a great way to start that that process because it's a big name kid from Texas, Texas and Texas A&M want him. And it's like, okay, now they're rolling. Now they got Cooper Flanagan. They got Cedric Irvin. Now they got Braylon James to go with an elite defensive class. You know, that just might be the spark Notre Dame needs to finally get this offensive class just rocking and rolling. Yeah, and then as you mentioned, Harry Heastan's got some offensive linemen visiting this month as well. So things are at least starting to track, but got to get those it's commitments. It's busy. It's yeah. very been it's been very busy. It just it's like, okay, can one of you please commit? Right. <laughs> if not, we need to get this thing rolling. Exactly. But, uh, What's what does what does the twenty the twenty twenty three class, how many commitments do they have right now? Nine. Nine. And, you know, it, it's funny, Sean, there's a lot of people on my board panicking about this. And I said, Hey, I just want to remind you all that Notre Dame has nine commitments and that Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama have nine commitments combined. Right. They're wow. fine. It's just they got off to such a fast start that yeah. they haven't gotten many commits lately. People are like, well, gee, it's really slowed down. No, they're still way ahead of schedule. It's just when you are going after the best players, they tend to wait a little longer. And that's kind of what we're seeing is they're going after some big time players uh, from other parts of the country. You know, I mean, they're trying to get Monroe Freeling out of South Carolina. Well, Clemson's not exactly an easy team to beat for an in-state kid that they want, right? So it just it's going to take some time. But it's be nice to kind of get some momentum going. Number one, to calm the folks on my message board down a little bit. All right, take a deep breath. <laughs> and number two, like I said before, I do believe momentum is a real thing. Because once, once spots start filling up, then you as a staff can kind of say, hey, look, we're running out of room. you got to make a decision now. But when there's no receivers, no offensive linemen on the board, it's a little harder to say, hey, we need you to make a decision. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Anything else we need to know recruiting wise this week? Well, there's we don't you know we could you want to carry it into the next hour? I mean, we got plenty. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, 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 there hasn't been a ton of movement nationally. Chris Vizina, we expect to kind of get a process where we start. We're going to start seeing more and more players commit over the year, these next couple of weeks. So mm -hmm. stay locked into IrishBreakdown.com because I promise you we'll have all the latest and what it means. All right. Sounds good. What else is going on there at irishbreakdown.com right now? Well, you know, uh, had our last open practice today uh, that Notre Dame, you know, obviously allowed us to go to. And, uh, you know, we had a breakdown of the quarterbacks. So we had all the practice video, all the shots from the quarterbacks and things along those lines and uh, some interesting clips there. Got to see Tyler Buckner throwing and, and we'll uh, 
continue to talk about what that means. We, we had an interesting show today, Sean. We expect this offense to really be dynamic this year, and we kind of explain why we expect that to be the case. All right, all right. Could be a lot of fun. We will see. We will see. I'm, lo- I'm just looking forward to kind of seeing what it looks like out there week from Saturday. So Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. All right, Hope Brian Driscoll. I heard, yeah, that's right. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. Thanks as always. I will talk to you again soon. Appreciate you having me on. Yep. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back. Talk about Maya Donson, drafted by the WNBA. A little bit after that, uh, I'll update you on the Cubs and uh, White Sox games as well. But uh, the NBA play-in tournament starts tonight. I'll kind of fill you in on the format of this whole thing and some other information on that coming up after 6 o'clock as well. So we've got that coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM. WSBT, Sean Steyer's with you. We've got South Bend Cubs baseball pregame show starting in about 24 minutes. 6.15 pregame from Fort Wayne. Should be a beautiful night tonight, tomorrow. I don't know. We will find out tomorrow. But Maya Dodson drafted WNBA last night. Notre Dame women's basketball player. She went 26th overall. To the Phoenix Mercury, I was wondering exactly where she would fall. There are only 12 teams in the WNBA, so the 26th pick is the second pick of the third round. But still, 26th overall is uh, pretty good to be the 26th player drafted. First team All-ACC, member of the ACC's All-Defensive team in her one season, her one and only season at Notre Dame after using her grad transfer to come over from Stanford, she averaged 12.6 points, 7.3 rebounds, and led the ACC and finished sixth in the nation with 91 block shots this year. 91 block shots. In her two-plus seasons at Stanford, she averaged five points and 3.2 rebounds, a total of 78 blocks in 68 career games. So, uh, uh, huge year for her, becoming much more of an offensive threat coming over to Notre Dame from Stanford. And, uh, you know, really, when you look at how she blossomed in just one year, I know there are a lot of people freaking out about transfers and all that kind of stuff leaving the Notre Dame women's basketball program over the last couple of years. And, you know, is it a concern that you lose seven players in two years? Of course it is, because that is, I mean, that's more than half a roster right there. But at the same time, I think you have to look at player fit for one thing. And for another thing, there are over a thousand Division One women's basketball players in the transfer portal right now. That is an average of around three players per team. So while it is not optimal that Notre Dame has lost these players over the last couple of years, you know, again, you've got a new head coach. There is some transition there, bringing in some of her own players, and you know, I think you look at you know where things have kind of gone. That is obviously a thing, but at the same time, with over a thousand players overall in Division One women's basketball in the transfer portal, it is far from a Notre Dame thing. It's an average of three players per team in the portal right now, so it is far from a Notre Dame team. You know, the biggest thing for them is now how they go out and use the transfer portal 
to their benefit. Uh, you know, Louisville was a, a team that was able to use the transfer portal to their benefit. And in that WNBA draft last night, the top two players to go from the ACC, Emily Anksler, who went number four overall to the Indiana Fever from Louisville, Kiana Smith went in the second round with a 16th pick overall to the L.A. Sparks from Louisville. Well, both Emily Anksler and Kiana Smith came through the transfer portal. They were a huge part of the success that uh, Louisville was able to have this year, and uh, they were able to use the transfer portal to help their careers as well. Alyssa Cunane from North Carolina State, their center went 17th to Seattle. Lorella Kubai from uh, Georgia Tech, another big post player, she is going to Seattle as well. So Seattle's going to get themselves some size with both Kunane and Kubai. They're both right in that 6'4", 6'5", range. Kayla Jones from NC State went to Minnesota. Asia Shepard from Virginia Tech went to Las Vegas. And then again, Maya Donson from Notre Dame um, to the Phoenix Mercury. And uh, she joins a couple of fellow former Notre Dame women's basketball players, the most Famous, uh, arguably, in Notre Dame women's basketball history, or at least one of the most famous, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Brianna Turner, also with the Phoenix Mercury as Dotson became the 20th former Notre Dame women's basketball player to be drafted by a WNBA team. So congratulations to Maya Dotson going to the Phoenix Mercury. We will update you on how the Cubs and the White Sox are doing in our Sports Center update, which is coming up in just a couple of minutes, and then I'll fill you in on the NBA's play-in tournament, which begins tonight, coming up after the top of the hour as well. As Budweiser's weekday sports beat, we're only going until 6.15 tonight, so we've got uh, 19 minutes to go on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You're listening to Budweiser's weekday sports beat with Sean Styers. On Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Well, just a few minutes of Budweiser's weekday sports beat to go. We've got South Bend Cubs baseball pregame starting at 6.15 tonight. They are at Fort Wayne this evening, 6.35 first pitch. Brendan and Max will bring you the pregame at 6.15. You ready for some NBA play-in tournaments? Hey, it's coming up tonight. It's a little... A little bit complicated to follow, I guess, but here it is in a nutshell. Here's here's what the NBA play-in tournament is. And again, it starts tonight. So you've got the seven seed hosting the eight seed in each conference, okay? So the seven seed plays the eight seed. Both the sevens and eights are playing tonight. Winner of those games automatically becomes the number seven seed in the playoffs, Okay. So it's simple so far. Seven and eight seed play, the winner becomes the seven seed. Meanwhile, though, the nine seed hosts the 10 seed. Those games are going on tomorrow. The winner of that game plays the loser of the seven versus eight seed, and the winner of that game becomes the eight seed. So you've got the nines and tens playing tomorrow. Loser of that game, done. They're gone. Sevens and eights playing tonight. Winner becomes the seven seed. Loser plays the winner of the nine versus ten. And then the winner of that becomes the eight seed. 
You got all that? <laughs> I told you it was a little bit complicated. Bottom line, sevens and eights play tonight. Winner is the seven seed. Loser plays the winner of the 9-10. Winner of that game becomes the eight seed. Again, if you're just sitting there listening to it, it's probably you know like Zach Galifianakis and the numbers and <laughs> all that kind of stuff flying around. But the two seven eight seed games tonight in the East, it's Cleveland at Brooklyn. In the West, it's the Clippers at Minnesota. The nine ten games tomorrow: Charlotte at Atlanta in the East, San Antonio at New Orleans in the West. Now here's where it gets fun because. You've got FanDuel Sportsbook to keep you company. Of course you do, because in the NBA play-in tournament, there are no sure things except for one. You can bet at least 20 bucks in same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. That's right. So not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out for the right to advance the playoffs, but FanDuel is giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. And the more you bet, the bigger your bonus. So here's the same game parlay I like for tonight. I like Brooklyn, the money line, against the Cavs. Kevin Durant to go under on his points total. And the game to go under on the points total as well. That simple. FanDuel's an official partner of the NBA. Their app is safe and easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, all you got to do is sign up, use my promo code WSBT to make every moment more. So don't just watch the NBA play-in tournament. Be part of it. Bet at least 20 bucks in same-game parlays and get an instant bonus, win or lose. You must be 21-plus and present in Indiana. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. The play-in tournament, kind of the NBA's answer to the wild card games. You know, they you know, they do it most of the week. They play today and tomorrow. Then final play-in games are uh, Friday. Uh, the Bulls don't have to worry about being in the play-in tournament because they finished just above the cut. They're the sixth seed in the East, and the Bulls, their reward is they get to play the defending NBA champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the first-round series that starts Saturday in Milwaukee. So that's all the details on your NBA play-in tournament. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Again, uh, the Cubs now up 2-0 on Pittsburgh, batting in the top of the seventh with two outs. And it is Mr. Suzuki with another RBI. He homered earlier, and Seiya Suzuki is now two for three with a pair of runs and a pair of our, Oh, he actually, it's another home run. He's he's uh, hit a solo home run, and the White Sox lead the Mariners two to one in the bottom of the sixth on the south side. South Bend Cubs baseball is coming up next. Max and Brennan have all the action for you right here on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 